The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome here into the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and I am your host, and always, always, always so grateful that you take the time to tune in and to hang out for a little while and and maybe just take a nice deep breath and, and just kind of settle in to a little bit of time for yourself. Um, this episode uh, is is one that I am I'm pretty pumped about. Um, as I sit here, on my couch once again this week, uh, recording this. This has been a, a pretty cool morning, a pretty cool day for me so far. Woke up, went through my my morning routine, had my my cup of coffee, best part of the day for me, and and then I got to spend about a half hour chatting virtually with with Ginger Z. Of, of ABC News. And Ginger is Ginger's the guest. Ginger is our, our guest this week on the podcast. And first of all, as you can imagine, Ginger is is, is busy. She's busy racing around the country covering weather for for ABC News and and deeply deeply grateful that um, she carved out some time to to have the conversation and to join all of us for this episode so for those of you who have um, not heard of Ginger Z I know a lot of you have um, but if you have not uh, Ginger is the the chief meteorologist for ABC News and she is, in fact, the first female chief meteorologist at a major news network, which is um, a pretty big deal, for sure. Uh, Ginger, you can see her reporting on shows like Good Morning America, World News Tonight. She was on Dancing with the Stars back in 2016, where she finished third. Uh, Ginger is married to her husband, Ben. She's the mother of two boys, and Ginger has been very open using her platform to to talk about her mental health and, and the things that she has gone through with that. She has publicly shared her, her journey with depression 
anorexia and borderline personality disorder. She she shares that she has attempted suicide twice. In her most recent book, she shares that she had an abortion leading up to her second attempt. Um, and and we, we started to hear this, this story from Ginger back in 2017 when she released the book Natural Disaster, where she really went in and, and opened up about her, her struggles with her mental health. Um, she shared that about 10 days, just days leading up to her starting her, her job at ABC News, she was in a mental health hospital. And her most recent book that she just put out called A Little Closer to Home goes more in depth on her mental health story, goes into some of the trauma that she's experienced. I I just wrapped up listening to it on Audible, and it's a beautiful read. It's it's, it's a beautiful story, a powerful story, and and one that, um, that we get into a little bit here on this episode. So... I, I caught up this morning with Ginger virtually. Uh, she was out on the road for ABC News covering a, a winter storm. She was hanging out in a, a hotel room in Champaign, Illinois. And um, let's go ahead and dive in. We cover a number of different things. I weaved in some questions from you who um, responded to my posts on social media about what questions you would have for Ginger and I, I really, really, really enjoyed the conversation with Ginger, and I am so excited to share it with you. So here we go, my my chat with Ginger Z. Well, Ginger, thank you so much for for taking the time to connect. I know you're you're in Illinois covering yeah. a, a snowstorm at the moment, so I'm happy to see you. Without another snowstorm to be in, <laughs> <laughs> but you're somewhere warm inside at the moment, so that's so that's the good news. Um, I'm so excited for for this conversation with you. Um, I had the opportunity to read your book; it's beautiful. Um, and I and I want to start off with, I know you've talked about. Um, depression, anorexia, you, you reveal in this latest book that um, you, you also were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I know t- sharing your mental health story is like a big thing, right? And it takes a lot of time. But what, what do you, for people that maybe are not familiar with your story, what do you, what do you want them to hear about the, the journey that you've been on? I want them to not only know that they deserve to feel light and peace and healing but that it's not like it just comes and then you stop working you know to be realistic that this is a lifelong journey and that as soon as you accept that and take ownership over what you have and what you can do with it then it starts to be powerful and trauma that you've had is a part of that story and that's what this book is really about um, was it helpful for you for, for you to have those, those diagnoses of kind of the, those specific things that, that kind of gave you a lens of, of how to work through those those different things that I mentioned? It took me a long time to even hear my diagnosis. And I yeah. mean that I heard it, but to to believe it or to take talk about take ownership, I would have told you five years ago I was still uh, diagnosed multiple times with severe depression, which I was. 
But I also was diagnosed at the hospital when I went for inpatient therapy, when I finally took charge of it with borderline personality disorder. And that's a very borderline personality disorder thing to do, is <laughs> to not even acknowledge your diagnosis. And so it took me a long time, but the beauty of something like borderline is that you can work through it and out of it. So while I may have propensity to be a depressed person more than an anxious person, borderline is something that I have learned the tools to not just manage, but to actually heal from. And I, I think that's exciting when you can tell people that there are things out there, because right now in our society, we're in a better place where people are saying, I'm depressed or I suffer with anxiety. That's kind of like I wear socks, right? Like I think a lot of people feel good saying that. Mm-hmm. Where when you start talking about other diagnoses, which are underdiagnosed most of the time, uh, people or, or you talk about going and getting inpatient therapy or severe outpatient therapy, people's eyebrows start raising. And that's what I really wanted to do with these books was start saying, stop, just because somebody has needs more help than you do. You would never say this to someone who is going to rehabilitate themselves from drugs and alcohol. So help make this change where we say good for you like we do for someone who goes to drug rehab. Of course we say good for you. If somebody goes and gets their mind right, good for you. <laughs> and that's what I hope the book does. I know in um, bet- between the two of, of the, the books that you've written about your story, um, you reveal that you, you've attempted suicide twice. You've been very open about that. And I know in this most recent book, you, you, you talk about how um, the second one came after getting an abortion. Mm-hmm. Why, why was that important for you to share in, the, in this book? I finally shed the shame and guilt and trauma does that to us a lot. A lot of times we take on the, the shame and the guilt and that's what allows it to sit with us for forever. And you can't delete trauma like that from your life. And I tried really hard with many of the traumas. I, I was very good at saying that didn't happen and running away but it is in you, it is part of your story. And until you release yourself and give yourself grace, be honest with yourself. And I'm not saying everybody should run around telling everybody all of their deepest secrets like I just have, but the power in telling somebody is what I want someone to take from my story. As soon as I stepped away from doing all of this by myself, which every time something happened, I was isolating. Isolating uh, as far as sharing my trauma, but pretending on the outside like this extroverted happiest person in the world could be your best friend and telling you really nothing about herself and so I was like unfortunately very practiced at deleting or thinking I was deleting trauma but I wasn't and so that's why this was such an important story my abortion was something that was incredibly traumatic for me and until I went back and relived it because that you never are reliving but it's um went through and actually found the narrative of what happened and what what I did that was and it's not right or wrong but what I did that got me to the place where I was now I had not mourned um that ever I hadn't done the hard work of cleaning up that trauma I had made a huge scab by putting a bunch of dirt in it and running away and this was my cleanup and it was hard and it sucked and that's okay it does suck and it was not fun and it was not something i want and it's not part of my story where i'm i'm pridefully you know marching the streets and telling everyone the most important part is i want this to then say not only do i not want you to do something like that alone it is our responsibility as people that this is happening so often 
to stop talking about it like two sides and you have to pick a side and instead saying, how do we never get to that side? How could we get ourselves where men, I have two little boys. Do you think I ever want them to be in the position to have made a choice or to have, I, I don't know, you know, on their end of it, I'd like them to be able to protect themselves. Why don't we have a birth control for men? Mm. I don't think it's that science can't do it. I mm. think that those are the conversations I'd love to start the prevention, the education, and the you're not allowed to do this of a lot of the shame that should be displaced from the person who's been victimized yeah. from the person who actually did the trauma. Yeah. Um, kind of under this umbrella of, of talking about suicide. Um, I know that a lot of us really been rocked by this news of Chesley Christ, former, mm -hmm. former Miss USA. Um, I know I saw you actually posted a picture on your Instagram um, page of a picture of the two of you. So you've actually met her before. Um, what was it like for you? How, how did you kind of react to that, that news of, of what happened? It's sad every time. And unfortunately, because I'm now in this place where I'm in mental health advocacy, I hear a lot of people taking their lives. And I, just like everybody else, I have people within my life that um, we've lost. And what, what was... I don't know if it was, it was timely for me to be able to talk about was that brightness that she shined with the complexity and depth of how intelligent that woman was. And I didn't know her well. I met her twice, you know, and, and, and had one conversation I couldn't say, but from everything that all the other people that I know that knew her a bit better and from the outside, I think that it's a great reminder that these things don't discriminate depending, it doesn't matter if you have an awesome apartment in Manhattan and you have a great job and you have all of these things, mental health and that darkness that you feel often is lurking and sitting there. And, and that's, you know, in her, and I can't speak for her, but in my mind, it was every time I got another job and I got another accolade or I did whatever, it almost made it feel like I had to hide it more because why am I feeling like this? I've got it all. Why is this so deep, this depression? I've got all these great things. Why can't I get out of this place? And so it separated those two worlds and those two identities for me more and more and more. And perhaps that was what was in part happening for her because we see this bright sun shining, um, you know, light in the world. And that's what her family saw. My mom saw that the day I was taking my life. My mom still saw my brightness, my laughter, my wit, all of the, because you create yourself as a separate identity and a really great actor uh, because you are, you're, you're in there in your real life, you know, you're, you're in your trailer in your real life and then you come out and you do the show and you put on that show, but in your trailer, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, um, do, do you think you're getting better at not wearing the mask as often? Yes. I, I used to really get so frustrated with my mom because we'd be like the grocery store and somebody in line would be like, how are you? As one does. And then she'd be like, you know, my shoulder, I had surgery. And I'd be like, mom, nobody needs to hear that. Yeah. And I still don't think that she should do that. Like heaven forbid you sit next to her on an airplane because you're about to connect and be her friend, which is wonderful. And I, but I flipped it now. And instead of being embarrassed, I'm always asking her, where does that genuine want to share yourself and then learn about others. She loves, she's so curious about other people's lives. That connection and purpose is part of her purpose. And it has always driven her. And I love that part of my mom is that she knows that we're all here in this together. And she's been in a constant fight to uh, make herself the best version of her, even when 
help wasn't available and she needed major mental health help. That's what I, 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 I want to turn the whole thing around. I'd love for us to look at each other and learn something about each other. And I hope that this book, you know, and me kind of finally saying, I'm taking the mask off. And if you don't like what you're reading or hearing or seeing, I don't care. So my mask got, my mask got more complex and it has a lot more and I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to feel it and you're allowed to feel it. And that's okay. Like this pursuit of happiness, which I talk about in the book, why we are pursuing something that's transient because emotions, I've been happy five times already this morning and I've been sad once and frustrated twice. And, and thank goodness, because what would we all live in high on a top of a mountain constantly? That's not good. <laughs> we have to go through many emotions. It's how you regulate those emotions and what you do with them, that that's what we can talk about. And we all have that. Emotions are passing. We shouldn't put that one on the pedestal and say, that's the one I've got to have. Happy. Yeah. So I think I keep using the word peace. I want peace with all of them. I'd like to live in peace with all of the emotions. Yeah. And I love that you acknowledge that you know, you can, you can feel happy in the morning and you can feel sad and you, and you can feel frustrated. And, and that doesn't have to be labeled as this was a, this was a shitty morning or this was yeah, a tough right. morning. You know what I mean? It, it can be the complexity of all of those emotions. Or if it was, let it be shitty. Great. Well, next now what's the afternoon like, you know, and like take some agency over that. And if it's still crappy, good, let it suck. And you can let things suck up there. I always do that checklist. Am I going to remember this a week from now? whatever that crap feeling is. I've got a pretty bad memory. So a lot of times it's no. Am I going, is it going to matter a year from now is the next layer. And if it's going to matter a year from now, I will let it blow all day. Okay, I'm here. I'm in this bad place. And as soon as you give it the, the, the open door, it's like, oh, wait, I don't really want to come in that bad. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then these other ones start to come in because you're living through it instead of trying to jump over it or be on the side of it and be afraid of it. And I've found such power in being able to feel and yeah. just, and then sharing my feelings. Like this morning I was with my producer. I, without getting to that point where I'm like tossing wires, I'm like, I'm frustrated. This happens every time. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to help make sure this doesn't happen again. Instead of me chucking stuff and being like, ah, why is it happening again? You know, and then internalizing it and, and then doing it again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I want to touch here a little bit on, I, I put out um, a post to, to our, our podcast community of, of questions uh -huh. that they want to want to ask you and things that they would like to hear from you. And I want to weave some of those in here. Okay. Um, I, I heard, I, I heard this question a lot from, from a number of people, Diane, Cheryl, Jen, um, how do you balance struggling with your mental health or, or just having some challenges with your mental health and then living life in the public eye as you do? I would imagine that, that that's a dance of, of maneuvering that. See, or is think, it? Or maybe it isn't. I think it's the opposite. I, I spoke to Nick Cannon about this while we were, I was doing his show and it was during the break and he's a pretty open guy. And I feel really lucky that I'm in this place where I've dealt with people's opinions for 20 years. And I've been able to, they were the first reason I was able to start turning inward and finding assurance and uh, of myself in myself and finding an identity that I had to be solid. Because if I listened to what other people said this morning alone, I would be crying in a corner. <laughs> yeah. 
but, but, and, or I would be blown, you know, blown up my skirt telling me how great I am. And I had to realize that neither of those are, are valid. It's, it's wonderful when people are positive and I love that. It's fine if they're negative because that's their opinion and that's okay. And so I've had to turn inward. So I would venture to say that me, that the hump of getting over and saying, okay, I'm ready to share things that, that show I'm imperfect. That was a brave moment, I think, because it was something new and different for me. Now, this is what I said to Nick Cannon. I said, we're kind of safe. We are in this place where I know it's okay if people don't approve of who I am or what I've done, because I know who I am and what I've done. And I also know there's a million other people that are like, oh, I love you. And so I think it's much braver for someone who doesn't have this safe space uh-huh. of having practiced. I'm like very practiced at it. Nick Cannon is very practiced at it. Um, doesn't mean we're perfect, but we practiced a lot. So if you've never practiced it, you're about to leap over and you don't know what the other side looks like. And you haven't seen you know, somebody in your life that doesn't have this flip position. So I would encourage people to work on, you know, if, if that, that courage of telling that first person of sharing that trauma, I can promise you that there are not a lot of people who are going to judge negatively. In fact, it, they might, and probably will be like, oh my gosh, well, I don't know what that feels like, but here's how I dealt with the trauma. You know, we're all in this life together. And I, I encourage people to think about it like that. And I always think back to storms. And that's why I wrote the first one about natural disaster, because here I am, this unique position of showing up when people have lost it all. And I'm like the first person they talk to. It's a weird psychological place to be for 20 years straight of going into fires and hurricanes and all of these things. Nature, when it traumatizes things and it does a big trauma, people give it grace almost immediately because it's nature. Mm. Right. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, I mean, and they often knew it was coming and, but I can't believe it happened to me. And then they go through these levels of grief and I watch them, but because it is a community going through it together, they process that trauma and grief so fast and they get to the end, which is usually about a week later where the community is coming together and the best of humanity. It's true. If we did that with our traumas and mental health and we treated them like tornadoes that everybody could see, we would be able to process these things and move through so that the next one, and that's really how we should look at it. And and, and we should share it is like, it's a tornado. Yep. Happened. Give it grace. Stuff happens. Trauma happens. We can't delete that. So let's talk about it and let's rebuild our house and I'll help you rebuild your house. And I'm going to help you find your car keys that your car is on your neighbor's house. And I know it's a little, this is, this is what we can do for each other and think about it that way. Um, we would go really far. And this is my way of saying, here are my tornadoes. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And and I think just acknowledging when things are hard and kind of letting people in on the quote unquote messiness of it. I know for me has been, has been a huge, a huge piece of the journey. And that I love almost every email I got not to take away from how important they were. Almost everyone after the first book started with, I'm a natural disaster too. Hmm. And I was like, after a couple hundred of them, you're like, I know (laughs) we all are. Um, And I'm like the first person they're admitting this to because they're admitting it to themselves or, or saying it to a couple other people. And I love that the, and this is something powerful too, is you and I could share more, more safely because we're strangers than um, other people. 
I think we need to remember that if we want to start, you don't, you don't have to start with your dad. I don't start with my dad. We can start with someone who's a little bit safer, um, who's just an ear to start. And then that person, and we should all learn how to be trained on this is to say, okay, if somebody says I, I want to hurt myself or hurt others, that's like someone having a shattered leg. You wouldn't just go, oh man, that sucks. I'm sorry you shattered your leg. Like when someone tells you that, you need to be actively taking them to get the help that they need instead of just being the listening ear. So there's like different layers of, of yeah. being a team of, yeah. or a community of people. I had a couple of people ask this question um, to Jennifer's actually. So, so this is the Jennifer question. Um, how, do you, um, how do you prioritize your mental health with kids? So, so they said that kids take up so much mental space and energy. It's, it's hard to just take a break sometimes. Like that's not always the reality. Have you found anything that kind of helps you to find that balance? I work on the word focus a lot so that, you know, I think it's really hard. And I, I live a different life than a lot of people live. I have a unique job where I travel a lot um, and I have a really wonderful partner and we have great people that help us and we've created a team of people in a village as you're supposed to. I rely heavily on them. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times when it's more about, to me, it's about when I'm with my children, the focus that I give them and the, the grace I give myself because what this journey of mental health has allowed me is to really release guilt uh, that I was giving my parents and the, the gravity I was giving to my parents because I've now realized becoming a parent how I cannot control everything. And my older boy, he came out just like me, but yet he didn't grow up in the same environment as me. And he's not dealing with the same dynamics as me. Wait a minute, that's part of me, right? And mm. so realizing that a lot of environment matters, of course, uh, but inherently who we are and our personality and then the choices we make, we have to remember that we're the ones doing that. You can't turn it all out. It's so safe. Psychology 101 is to start with your childhood because that's where your identity is formed. But it's also because most of the time, you know that if you go to your mom and you say, you did this and this did this to me, she's not going anywhere. It's mm. safe. If you say to somebody else in your life, or you say to yourself, this is a choice you made and it hurt me, <laughs> that's not easy. Because we all want it to be somebody else's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm not saying you should give yourself guilt and shame, but I think learning where those things happen and, and that, oh my gosh, did that allow me as a parent to um, focus on them, but not focus to the point where I'm obsessed with how am I meant, what am I going to give them that they, that I didn't have? Mm. I'm much more in tune and I want to teach them all the tools that I've learned that I was not taught. And most importantly, it's about communicating because that's something that all of us can do better. Yeah. And if you communicate those things, that emotional regulation that I have learned at 40 years old would be great to learn at six. And that's what I'm hoping it helps him. Yeah. Um, as, as we kind of start to wind down here a little bit, I know you, you have to go back and cover a storm. The storms mm -hmm. never stop. You gotta, you gotta stay on top yeah. of that. <laughs> um, but what, what helps you manage your mental health day in and day out? I, I loved like some of the things that you talked about in your book about almost comparing it to like physical fitness, you know, yes. mental fitness, but it, is there anything that you would want to share with all of us about what helps you kind of show up for your life every day? 
it's not even just a comparison because I've been into physical fitness my entire life. It has been a way of me replacing it and, and putting it as a foundation. So I'd say the first thing I do is I make sure that the foundation, those boring parts of physical health that everybody wants to pretend don't matter are the most important. It's sleep, it's nutrition, and it's hydration. So boring, but you cannot have a good day brain day if you don't give blood flow to your brain so i'd say making sure that you're setting yourself up and setting boundaries so that those things are protected first and foremost and then i think it's really important to put mental health first everybody says oh i put in my calendar i carved out an hour for workout carve out an hour that's going to be for your mind it doesn't have to be an hour of meditation i can't do that and i've been practicing meditation for a couple of years now i can't even get close to that 10 minutes of it could be that. 10 minutes of it could be guided yoga active meditation. Uh, 10 minutes could be a conversation with a friend where you're talking about life and some of the things that have come out. It has to be something where it's going to be a benefit to your brain and a benefit to your emotional health. And I think that's some, even just putting the priority there, that alone is putting effort and saying, I care about you brain. You can ask yourself questions. You can do a little interview. You can write, you could journal, you know, but carving the time out because it's easy to say, oh, I don't have time to journal. Well, how did you make time to play tennis? How did you make time to do the other thing? You can, we all can. And then I, you know, I do that for a daily. So I do meditation. I write, I write gratitude on the wall and I write an intention of the day on the wall before I start my day. Then I do meditation and then I, I, I make time somewhere else in there to do these other meditative moments, whether it's active or whatever it is, doing podcasts like this, talking about my story, this will count, <laughs> this will count toward my hour. Yeah. Um, and then going and saying once a week, I'm going to go to my personal trainer of my brain, my therapist, because you can't get in the best shape by yourself can't get in the best mental shape by yourself. And now this is where I realize I start to sound super privileged because if I'm saying personal trainer, that means I have a personal trainer. Uh -huh. I would love for everybody to have the correct diagnosis, the right access to the right therapy, because that was a problem in my journey is I did not have the right diagnosis, partly because I was lying to the therapist and partly because I don't think that they were practicing the type I needed. But I hope that everyone and, and, and the financial, it costs a lot to go to the good therapy that I have. And I realize that is not the case that other people can pay hundreds of dollars for an hour. That is not normal. And so now I've got to take that privilege, share these tools, but also find a way to find access for people. Because if you know your insurance covers 10, 10 sessions or something, everybody's is different, but we don't have a great system. If you're super broken, you can go to the ER and that's about, and it's not great. And a lot of cities don't have the resources to even keep you there long. No. There's not this funneled place. And my dream is to create a place that is like Betty Ford did for drugs and alcohol. We need that funneled place. You can go to some general practitioners, but it's just very piecemeal right now. We need like the McDonald's of mental health where they're on every corner and you have a place that you can go, whether you're just having some down weeks and you're not sure what to do with it. And it's the first time you felt, or you've had suicidal ideation for the last year and you're on the edge. Yeah. Everybody go to the same place. You know, it's safe. You know, they're going to get you to the right specialist because they're going to funnel you and then diagnose you and get you to the right place so that you're not hurting your knee and going to the ear, nose and throat place.
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I like got chills as you were talking about that. How, how so if, I, if I can help make a Betty Ford, because Betty Ford gave it a name too. She didn't just do awareness. We know Betty Ford Clinic because it's the Betty Ford Clinic. Yeah. We know that would be a place if I had a drug or alcohol, someone in my life, I think that's one of the first places I, that's what we need. We're, we're not experts at this. We have to have that place. Yeah. Well, and it's just so, I mean, especially when you're in the middle of like a mental health crisis to try to navigate the system is just like an added stress that you don't have the capacity. I talk about, I talk about that all the time because my husband definitely on the lower end of what his needs right now, as far as I want, he wants to have therapy to better himself basically. And he's got some things to work through, but it's not critical moment. Right. Yeah. He said, it feels like Tinder. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know exactly what I need. They're not listing exactly who they are. Well, here's what I like. And I'm better at anxiety. And is that what I'm really going for? And so without proper diagnosis, he doesn't even know where to start. And he's just doing the pictures on his insurance and he's in a good place. And he still hasn't been able to achieve this in my darkest points. There's zero way that I would have been able to leaf through in my insurance booklet and go find somebody and try out somebody. And I I like this parallel too, is if we saw someone so hurt on the side of the road, we have to help them. You have to wheel them to the hospital. We have to wheel people to help, mental health help. We have to do the work, the healthy people at that moment. Because some other moment we might need that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Last thing I have for you, I I love, love, love what you talk about comparing our, our mental health, our emotional world with the, with the atmosphere and, and, mm-hmm. you know, in this kind of metaphor of clouds and things passing, mm-hmm. um, can we just end on that? How, how do you like to describe that to people? So this goes back to the tornado, right? That, that disaster that I've done so many times is that in that moment, you've lost everything you've ever known. You might've lost a family member and you cannot in that moment, probably think that, well, the storm is not going to last forever, but it doesn't. Storms don't last forever. Our our world is a big ball of energy. It's constantly moving. Everything is transient. And that's how I like to think about life. Storms don't last forever. They can't and they won't. And it's not how the atmosphere works, but it's also not how life works. And if you think about that, if you can keep that in the back of your mind as a seed, when you get to one of those really dark places, if you can say, I'm not going to feel like this tomorrow. I know I won't. Could be worse. Probably going to be better. That's power. You know, that's powerful to know that we're just in this one temporary moment. Gotta, gotta love it for what it is. Ginger, I cannot thank you enough for, for taking thank the time um, to chat. Just a, an honor and, and um, just thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It, it really, really matters. Yes, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you too. Stay warm over there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, bye. So once again, big, big thank you to, to Ginger for carving out some time to chat and um, I, I would encourage all of you uh, if you are, are interested in learning more to to check out her book again she wrote um, she wrote natural disaster back in 2017 you can read that one also her most recent book a little closer to home is now available and um, this was uh, this was a pretty special special thing for me to to talk to her. 
Um, as many of you know, I also have a, had, had a career in, in broadcast news. And so hearing somebody within the industry being so open, being so real about about what she's been through and, and, and really using her platform to to help others is is a really, really, really big deal. Because because Ginger Ginger reaches a lot of people when she steps on the airwaves um, in the morning on Good Morning America or at night on uh, World News Tonight or, or just through her, her social media platform. So I know she's making a huge impact. Uh, reading her book, listening to her story, chatting with her has certainly had an impact on me. And uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was a fun one for me to put together today. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you take something from it. As, as always, for, um, for all of us coming out of these, these episodes, I hope, that, I hope that you take what serves you from the conversation. And I hope you go ahead and just leave the rest. Be gentle with yourself out there. And we'll chat soon. If you or someone you know is struggling and needs help, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255.